What do we do in these times that we find ourselves in? What do we do when there's this invisible virus that we can't seem to control or contain that's spreading throughout our society and even killing folks? What do we do when uh, financial markets tumble and economies crumble? What do we do when our freedoms begin to be limited and restricted because of this virus? How will the church respond and how will the church act in these times uh, of crisis? Well, I think it would be worthwhile for us to take a look at the first century church and Jesus' early followers to see how they responded in a time of crisis. And I remind you, if you're not familiar, in Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8, we have the story of the early church, of the early followers of Jesus who found themselves in Jerusalem. They found themselves um, having difficulty meeting the needs of everyone within the community. And, and there were these Hellenistic, these Greek-speaking widows who were being underserved. And so uh, the followers of Jesus, the, the 12 disciples, decided that they needed some helpers. And so they appointed seven deacons. Seven godly folks who had been with them from the beginning and knew about Jesus and Jesus' teaching. And they appointed these deacons to serve the local community. Two of these deacons were Stephen and Philip. And we all know the story of Stephen. Uh, Stephen was a godly and a caring and a compassionate uh, man, a man who had a uh, passion and fire full of the Holy Spirit, wanted to share about God's kingdom and about the good news of Jesus Christ, and so he shared it everywhere he went. A and one day that got him into trouble. Uh, the church had had a lot of freedom in Jerusalem, speaking and teaching about uh, uh, Jesus, even though the temple leaders were not happy about what they were saying. But one day, Stephen found himself in front uh, of the temple leaders, and he was sharing, and he found himself cornered. And the more that he shared about Jesus and Jesus' ways and the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the angrier they got. And in a flash, life for the early followers of Jesus changed. Those temple leaders became so angry that they picked up stones and they began to throw them at Stephen and they stoned him to death. We are told that seemingly this unleashed uh, other folks within the community to begin uh, to seek followers of Jesus. We're told that Saul, who would later become Paul, the great apostle, was one of those persecuting the church. And he would go into houses and he would drag uh, Christians out and he would throw them into prison. The early church wasn't sure what to do. And, and many of the Greek-speaking uh, followers of Jesus began to flee from Jerusalem. They began to scatter throughout Judea and through Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and in Acts chapter 8, we read this story of after, St after Stephen's stoning. And, and we hear these words as Luke records what happened to the early church. At that time, the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some pious men buried Stephen and deeply grieved over him. Saul began to wreak havoc against the church. Entering one house after another, he would drag off both men 
and women and throw them into prison. Can you imagine um, the fear that was going through the early church at this point in time? Understandably, they weren't sure what had happened overnight. This, this violence against Stephen had been unleashed onto the rest of Jesus' followers. And so, as I said, many began to scatter and run. I'm sure, in part, their first reaction was, was out of fear. And yet, it did not lead to a fearfulness of living. As we continue the story, we find that one of those who was scattered was Philip, a deacon who was a friend of Stephen's. And here's what we hear in the next four verses of chapter 8. Those who had been scattered, they moved on, preaching the good news along the way. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he began to preach about God's kingdom and to preach about Jesus and the crowds were united by what they heard Philip say and the signs they saw him perform, and they gave him their undivided attention. With loud shrieks, unclean spirits came out. Many people, of many people, and many people who were paralyzed or crippled, they were healed. There was great rejoicing in that city. As we hear these words this morning from the early followers of Jesus and we see how they responded to this drastic shift in what was going on in their society and how they were finding that they needed to interact with each other, hopefully there are some words for us to hear in these moments. I find it interesting that even though these early disciples found themselves uh, leaving Jerusalem and going to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, they were doing exactly what Jesus had said that they would do. They were going into places they hadn't been before, doing things in different ways that they had not done before. You see, these followers, even though they had fear about what might happen to them, they still continued to share the good news about Jesus and about God's kingdom that had come near to them. They continued to offer healing and wholeness and peace and love to a society that was broken, a society that was fearful and fragmented and divided by all kinds of things. And so the question comes to us today in the midst of this new way of doing church and this new way of interacting in these days in which we might seem to think that our world has been turned upside down and not knowing when it may get back to normal, whatever that might look like. We might begin to ask ourselves, what are followers of Jesus to do in such chaotic and uncertain and fearful times? Will we, when we, uh, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this uncertainty, will we allow our faith to be overcome? Will we allow our connectedness to be broken? Or will it lead to deeper sense of faith? Will it lead to a deeper sense of connectedness with the body of Christ? Will we still be able in new and different ways to offer healing and wholeness and peace and love to a community and a world that needs it now more than ever? 
How might we decide to respond? Let me just suggest a few things as we uh, find ourselves in these new times. Maybe one thing we can begin to do is simply enjoy slowing down. Our lives are so hectic anyway. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to slow down, to reconsider what our priorities are, and to take this opportunity to connect with God and to connect with our families. Instead of seeing this as a time when as families, we just have to figure out how to survive each other being in such close proximity, maybe we should see this as a time to thrive, as a time to grow as a family and to bond together and discover new ways of being with each other. Maybe we should take this opportunity to pick up the phone and call friends and just check in on them. Maybe we should use this time to pick up the phone and call someone whom it's been way too long since we had a conversation with. Maybe in this time we can share about Jesus and about the kingdom of God by uh, simply passing on through Facebook or through emails linked to church services so that other folks might be invited to gather in. You might be surprised at how many of your friends appreciate an invitation to worship from the comfort of their home in these trying and difficult times. As a church, let us find new ways to offer hope and healing and wholeness in the midst of a world that suffers from brokenness and fragmentation and chaos and fear. May we go forth from here, um, embracing this as an opportunity rather than a threat or a danger. Let us embrace um, what we are experiencing as an opportunity to find new and different ways to connect with God, to connect with each other, and to reach out to our community to share God's love and grace. What will we do as followers of Christ today? Will we allow this crisis to turn us into complainers, to turn us into people who are more fragmented, people who lose their faith? Or will it drive us to a deeper faith and trust in God? Will it drive us to rely on each other and our community more than we have ever leaned into that? Will it allow us to really understand what is important in our lives this day? May we hear the words and hear the example of the early church. And may we respond in ways that continue to share the kingdom of God and the news of Jesus Christ this day and every day. Let us pray. Gracious God, in this time, may you indeed speak to us and lead us. Open up our hearts and minds that we may find new and creative ways to be with you and to be with one another and to share your love with others. In Christ's name, amen. And now while you're sitting there, this would normally be when we have a time of offering. And if you pay attention, usually during the offering, 
I invite you to give of your tithes and your gifts and yourselves. Now, we still hope that you'll give of your tithes and your gifts, and you can write a check and send it in, or you can give online. But, but today, more than anything, I want you to focus on what it means in this time to offer ourselves to God. In the midst of these times, how will you choose to offer yourself in new and different ways to God? I invite you to um, contemplate that, and if you're with a group of people, just begin to share with each other how you plan to offer yourselves to God this week. And I think the band's going to play a little bit of music before we go into the final song, right?